all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit provides information on how you can lead a healthy lifestyle. I'm the host, Josie Bidwell. Search for and subscribe to Southern Remedy on any podcasting app to not miss any episode. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy Women's Health, where we discuss issues involving women's health. I'm Dr. Jasmine Kinsey, Assistant Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at UMMC, and I just want to wish everybody a happy Friday. I think things are finally starting to move in the right direction weather-wise. At least it's tolerable, I feel, compared to the past. My son had a soccer game last night, and it was nice. It was like not scorching hot, and we felt a lot a good breeze and it was just a nice kind of cool afternoon so I'm welcoming um, some cooler weather and I hope everybody out there is having a happy Friday and our topic this morning is going to be arthritis and I picked this topic because I think at some point in our lives practically everybody is going to experience this and some sooner than others and so I say you know arthritis is just a very common disorder that affects many women day to day and we know that it can range from some mild cases to some people it's just fairly debilitating that it interferes with our daily activity um, and just all in all you know our quality in life in many of our patients so today I hope to explore the different types of arthritis talk about, you know, um, the causes for some people um, and ways to treat and hopefully maybe get some people back moving or help them kind of figure out what's going on. And I feel like every time I open in the mornings, I feel like one fourth to a third of people is going to be the guest of how many people things affect. And so arthritis is not any different. So about a third of the American population is going to be affected at some point by arthritis or at least have some um, pictures that are consistent, such as x-rays on imaging of some form of arthritis. And as we know, with many things, the older we get, that increases our risk um, of arthritis. Most common area being, of course, the knees. I think that's the one most people feel at some point in time. We know that really arthritis can affect any joint. Um, And so the hand and hip are kind of right there after that. And overall, oftentimes most arthritis affects way more women than it does men. Um, And then, of course, uh, the risk of arthritis and complications of it increases not only with age, but also um, with our BMI. So What do we mean when we talk about arthritis? Like everybody will just automatically see my knee hurts. I got arthritis. Is that what's going on? So it's actually kind of a complicated thing to explain. I know that's kind of crazy to say. But oftentimes in people's mind, when we think of arthritis, we're thinking about, A, we know that it's something that's affecting the joint. So that's knee, ankle, toes, wrist, 
back. I tell, remind everybody your back pain. When I say, oh, you've got arthritis in your back. They're like, really? I'm like, there's bones in your back um, that make up your spine. So you definitely can have arthritis there. And it oftentimes just refers to pain or swelling or stiffness or some one of those or combination of all that's affecting a joint or joints being multiple. And as I mentioned before, it's not just some arthritis. It's a, actually a very kind of complex thing, even though we hear about it all the time. And so it just, it's not a single condition. It oftentimes involves a lot of different things. And so the causes, as I mentioned before, um, many people know is osteoarthritis, that being the most common one. And the contributor is often the older we are, being female, if we've had trauma, um, if we're you know, overweight or just have had issues in those areas before. However, there are some arthritis that has some genetic components. So no matter what you do with a lot of things that I talk about on the show on a regular basis is sometimes it's just, you know, what our parents gave us um, that can ultimately affect. And so oftentimes we can see some genetic mutations just in the collagen and other things that make up our joints that predispose us to different types of arthritis. So as I mentioned before, everybody often knows and most people are affected by osteoarthritis, but we also know other things like rheumatoid arthritis. And so that is essentially where you have an autoimmune response. Your body is you know, responding or attacking your joints. And so that's rheumatoid. So very different than osteoarthritis. And of course, we'll dive into that a little bit later. Um, You can also just see arthritis with other autoimmune disorders. So lots of my patients that have lupus, if you've got inflammatory bowel disease, such as Crohn's or um, ulcerative colitis, You can also see arthritis. I'm sure a lot of you guys have seen all those commercials that talk about psoriatic arthritis. So sometimes if you've got psoriasis, um, you know, and other mixed tissue um, connective disorders that a lot of our patients have oftentimes are affected. Um, Their joints get affected, too. And everyone, you know, uh, has heard of or heard a family member about how painful gout is. And so essentially gout is a form of arthritis. It affects our joints, causing pain and swelling. And that can be involved, again, with excess um, uric acid formation, which we'll talk about a a little bit later as well. And then septic arthritis, sometimes you can have an actual infection in the joint that's causing you pain and causing you some problems. And then even just a viral illness and things of that nature can give you what we call a reactive reactive arthritis. So when people walk in and tell me I have a history of arthritis, some people give me a funny look when I'm like, what kind? And they're like, I think there's only one kind, but there's not there. It's a very kind of complicated, uh, even though we see it a lot, can be more complicated than a lot of people realize. So let's dive a little bit deeper into what I was saying when I talked about that there are so many different types of arthritis. And honestly, the ones that I'm only hitting, probably the most common ones that I see here on the show today, but don't worry. There are a lot of other ones. So don't feel if you don't fall in some of these categories doesn't mean that we don't have a diagnosis or we can't help you. You just might fall into the numerous other categories of arthritis that we see in many of our patients. So as I mentioned before, the one that most people know of and the one that we talk about the most is good old osteoarthritis. And my mom, she cracks me up because she's always like, oh, Arthur is bothering me. And I'm like, who's Arthur? Arthritis. But anyway, so 
osteoarthritis is the most common type. And that really is what we talk about, the wear and tear and damage to the joints cartilage. So a lot of times in our joints, our joints, if they were bone on bone, they wouldn't necessarily move very well or be very mobile in general. So we have kind of cartilage and all this other things that are in the joint that make a nice kind of slick coating that makes it easier for those bones to move about within the joint. So we get this nice kind of frictionless motion. But over time, you can get damage to that cartilage just from what we call normal wear and tear. So your body is not necessarily reacting against your joint itself, but it is the actual wear and tear, just whether it be injury, whether it be weight is causing some pressure. But essentially what happens is you get the breakdown of that cartilage in that nice kind of smooth, frictionless area that we've created and you get on some people bone grinding or you hear people bone on bone that causes pain and ultimately can restrict your movement. Um, And so that's what we're talking about when we talk about osteoarthritis. But it doesn't mean that you can't in the past have had something that predisposes you to arthritis. So if you've injured that knee before or you've had an infection in that knee before, it's kind of already attacked that joint and increases your risk of osteoarthritis down the road. So you can definitely see that um, in some patients as well. So when we talk about most people are talking about osteoarthritis when we're talking about when they're talking about their arthritis. Um, And that's, as I've mentioned, again, that's wear and tear. And as time progresses, that gets worse. So there's not a cure. Hopefully we can kind of slow things down. um, But that's something that oftentimes gets progressively worse as we age. So that's good old Arthur, as my mom would say, osteoarthritis that many of us see. So it looks like we've got us a caller. So um, we're going to wait until we get her um, connected in a second. So um, so we're good to go. So we've got our first caller here, Deborah in Jackson. Hi, Deborah. Hi. Good morning. How are you? I'm all right. So what's your question this morning? I just want to know if people were already having problems with COVID, I mean, I'm sorry, with arthritis, if they had COVID and then seemed to experience more problems with arthritis after they had COVID and seemed like their problems spiked more after COVID, have you ever heard of that before? Seem like the problem spiked more after having COVID and gotten worse. The arthritis got worse. Yes, ma'am. So I will be honest. We have seen a lot of things that seem to have progressed from COVID. And so honestly, with so many studies out on COVID, we're definitely continuing to learn more. So there have been some cases where people have talked about kind of almost a reactive arthritis with COVID. So worsening joint pain. And honestly, you can see joint pain associated with a lot of other viral illnesses as well. So I have had some patients um, have issues of or complaints 
complaining of worsening arthritis seeing COVID um, since COVID. Now, does COVID cause that per se? That we really don't know. And I think it's too soon to tell. But I think it's definitely what we call multifactorial. So meaning sometimes people get COVID and they're so ill and they've had limited mobility while they're ill. Maybe their shortness of breath has been worse. Their cough has been worse. They've been more fatigued. So they're just not as active post-COVID. So some of that is just from the virus or just all in all decongestioning. So anytime we're not moving those joints as much as we used to or we're more sedentary, you definitely have increased risk in your joint pain and stiffness and all those things if we're not moving as much. So I think it's hard to say like COVID caused worsening arthritis. I think it's more multifactorial in most patients. Okay, was is there a link or or something where I can look at or do you have a website? I'm sorry, I just kind of ran across the station and just thought I'd ask the question. So we ha- so we do have where you can hear the, the podcast online as well. Um, and so, yeah, so it's MPB is our um, is our website. So if you look up uh, Mississippi Public Broadcasting, like the first thing that comes up in Google is our website. And you can click on there. You can listen to um, old podcasts um, and, you know, even email questions and things of that nature as well. Okay. But yes, ma'am. And we are on every day from 11 to 12, just different topics. So we welcome you to join us and listen in and call in as well. Okay, Deborah? Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much for your question. And like I said before, happy Friday, everyone. And we have been able to just kind of start the tip of the iceberg of discussing arthritis this morning. So I'm going to go ahead and move on to our next caller. So we'll have time to answer your question. And we've got Natalia in Biloxi, Mississippi. Good morning, Natalia. Good morning. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. So tell me a little bit about your question this morning. Yes, ma'am. First of all, thank you so much for bringing important topics to everyone's attention. It's uh, always appreciated uh, to be educated a little bit more. Uh, but the question is regarding the uh, hormonal imbalance and in relation to arthritis. Uh, in, um, in us, a little bit older women are getting to be a little bit older. Um, it's, I know that there is a connection and correlation. If you could uh, tell us a little bit more about it, would be very much appreciated. Yes, ma'am. So, you know, it's one of those things that tricky things that like in science. So we were like, OK, so we see arthritis more in women, particularly postmenopausal women. So it has to have something to do with estrogen. Right. And the changes in um, those levels as far as arthritis goes. And so um, essentially what we found is that we believe there's a connection that that it can harm some hormonal changes can ultimately affect you with osteoarthritis. However, we don't know what that is. We haven't exactly been able to pinpoint it down. So we do. There are studies that show that there's potentially a connection between um, changes in your estrogen level and being at increased risk of osteoarthritis. They even looked at if we put women on hormone replacement therapy, do we fix or improve their osteoarthritis? And some studies show that that's a potential. However, it's kind of inconclusive and all the studies haven't come to the same consistent conclusion. So it's not necessarily that we recommend hormone replacement 
therapy as a treatment option for osteoarthritis. So all that to say is, yes, we are seeing that there is a connection with arthritis, but we're still trying to figure out what that is. And that's even just with osteoarthritis. We also have seen it with rheumatoid arthritis as well. And so, again, it's still so much to learn to make one clear statement about it. But there is research ongoing about that connection. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Yes, and, ma'am. You know, I know there are some women that, you know, have no symptoms at all. And then one day they wake up and they have um, some minor pain in, in a certain joint, you know, finger, even finger joints. And then, you know, start thinking about, you know, why, you know, is this real arthritis or is it caused by some just inflammation? And it's not arthritis per se. Right. And you and, and you make an excellent point. And we'll definitely dive into all of that in detail as the hour progresses, because you're right, trying to figure out, you know, is this just good old I'm aging joint pain or if I've got, you know, something else more serious going on that requires more treatment. And so you're exactly right. So we'll definitely dive in some more as well as the hour progresses about the different types of arthritis. Thank you. Thank you very much for taking the time to respond. I really appreciate it. No problem. I appreciate your call. You have a great day, okay? Thank you. Awesome. All right. Well, just as, you know, we were kind of mentioning um, that there's so many different types. And when you wake up with that joint pain, like, how do I figure out what's going on? And so, as I mentioned before, you know, the different types of osteoarthritis is the one that we most commonly know. But then we also know that there's, you know, rheumatoid, gout and other things. So uh, Natalia brings up a great question, like, how do I ultimately determine what I have? And so that is where a huge, huge part plays in your history and the stories in the stories that we tell our doctor about what's going on with us. So I have so many patients, you know, we are in the wonderful world of technology right now. So oftentimes I'll get patients that'll shoot me a my chart message. That's kind of our electronic healthcare um, um, medical records that we use at UMC. And so I'll get a message and I'll say, hey, Dr. Casey, my knee hurts. I need an x-ray. <laughs> and so, you know, I have so many people that want to jump straight to the picture. But honestly, as a physician, we get so much from the history. Your history really points us in the right direction of what we need to do and what we need to do to help us figure it out. So you've got a joint pain and you're like, what do I do? What do I figure out? So I always say, talk to your doctor. And so we use your history to really help us figure out what group you fall into. And is this something that we have time to figure out? Or is this like an infection in your knee that needs immediate treatment? Because I know that you're going to get worse. And so what helps me figure that out is your story or your history. So finding out when did your symptoms start? Did your symptoms start yesterday or did they start and progress over three months? Um, what has, have you injured, you know, that thing, that knee or that ankle? Um, have you been traveling? Have you been walking more? Um, how many joints are involved really changes what we're dealing with. So if you're telling me it's just one knee or, you know, it's my big toe, that could be gout or it's just one ankle versus if you're telling me, you know, both of my ankles have been hurting. And by the way, my wrists have been hurting, too. And the joints in my finger that might move me towards. Do you have an um, autoimmune disorder, rheumatoid arthritis? Or are you, you know, having lupus or psoriatic arthritis? Do you have a rash with this? So all of this gives us an idea how many joints are involved, how long your symptoms have been going on are all important things to come to your doctor with. 
And so again, like I said, joint pain is so broad that I get these funny looks when I'm getting histories from my patients. They're like, you're just asking way too much. But interestingly enough, there are some STDs, sexually transmitted diseases that can present as joint pain. So people, chlamydia, gonorrhea, those are things that can oftentimes infect our joints. So if you're if you come in with knee pain and your doctor starts asking you about your sexual history, it's not to judge you <laughs> or to be too nosy. It's for us to really figure out what's going on and make sure that we get the diagnosis right. So don't be embarrassed. Don't be don't be shy. We're not, you know, trying to be too nosy. We're really just trying to make sure that that we get the diagnosis correct on the first try. And the only way we can do that is if you guys give us all the information. Um, so telling us about what happened, tell us what your symptoms are. Is it swollen? Have you had a fever? Have you had chills? Have you had a rash? You know, all those things really kind of help us dive into what's going on. Is there a family history um, that can also help us really determine? Because if somebody's got lupus or somebody's got rheumatoid arthritis um, or even sickle cell or whatever it may be, might point us in a direction that you might not be dealing with just classic osteoarthritis, but we need to dig a little bit deeper and figure out if you're dealing with some of the other groups that we're talking about. Um, after that, so you come to your doctor, you've told them what's going on, you've gotten a good history, then what did they do? We can learn a lot from our physical exam. I can see, is your joint swollen? Does it look like there's fluid in your joint where I could take a sample of that fluid and figure out what's going on in the joint itself? We can look at your range of motion. Um, all those things can kind of help us point in the direction. And some people, you know, if you've seen some patients that have um, severe rheumatoid arthritis, you can see different deformities um, with in their joints of their fingers and things like that that can point us in a different direction of what's going on. So your story and what you look like on physical exam can really point us in the direction of what we're doing even before we take a picture. <laughs> this is all before x-rays involved. Half the time I tell patients the the labs and the pictures are almost like a confirmation for me. I can oftentimes figure out a good bit about what's going on with you before I even touch a lab or or get a picture of you. So I think this is a great spot for us to take our next caller. So we have George in Greenville. George is not quite ready yet. We're oh, still so sorry. So George is not quite ready. So we'll give George a, give George a second. Um, so after I say, so I've gotten a good history from you. I've done my physical exam. Now what? So evaluation. That's when it points me in the direction. Do I need an X-ray? So X-ray is great for looking at those. Just kind of the bones themselves. Am I seeing breakdown? Am I seeing erosion? Sometimes on X-ray we can tell if there's an effusion or anything of that nature. Um, and then you know. Know, there's MRI that's much down further on the list depending on what your symptoms are coming in you may require an MRI I mean if you had a significant injury or trauma um, and we're trying to figure out maybe it's not the joint itself but maybe more the ligaments or tears or things like that MRIs can help us with that CT scans are helpful if you know you can't get an MRI um, that you know that can kind of help us as well the beauty of everything right now is now we are really learning so much that we can do with ultrasound. So a lot of offices are becoming more equipped with ultrasound. So we can actually look at your joints, look for fluid in your joints, you know, look at some of those tissues and things of that nature just with an ultrasound right there in the office. So there's lots of modalities that we don't have to jump straight to MRI. And sometimes on history, we don't always have to go straight to an x-ray. Um, so, you know, we're, I tell my patients all the time, we're not trying to withhold care from you. But oftentimes we're, we want to save you money if we don't think that an MRI is going to be helpful 
helpful very much at this point. We don't want to put you through that very expensive test um, that we may not have needed in the first place. So don't feel like your doctor's trying to hold out. Sometimes, you know, we can get a lot just from history and how things are going from you. The other thing is I talk about different types of arthritis or we can look at labs. If we're worried about infection, we can look at your CBC. Um, We can look at inflammatory markers. If we think an autoimmune disorder, we talk about an ESR or a CRP. And then there's very specific labs that we can look for if we think you have lupus or we think you have rheumatoid arthritis or even gout. We can look for what we call a uric acid level um, and things of that nature can really be helpful. So I think George is ready. So we're going to head on to our, our call with George in Greenville. Good morning, George. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. So tell me a little bit about your question. Well, first of all, I have a hypothetical question, and sure. I know you've been in the medical field for for quite some time, and you you should have some answers. I'm I'm, I'm from the old school. I'm 71 years old. I was uh, uh, my mother lived to get 101, and, and when I was 16 or 17 years old, and 18, you know, I didn't hear a whole lot about arthritis. Now, I'm not saying that arthritis ain't been around for it's an age old problem, but I didn't hear a lot about it. Uh, and as I began to to age and grow. Uh, when I was in the fifth grade, I heard my teacher said that one day we're going to have a cure for cancer. Well, here I am now, 71 years old plus, and uh, it, uh, we're still fighting with cancer. We still, now we got arthritis, and, and I have questioned uh, uh, the different types of arthritis. Where did it come from? We got all this technology now. We got, we got science. We got technology. We got doctors. We got schools of uh, we do we do hundreds of years of studying and we still don't come up with a real cure and 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 I have been to uh, natural healing schools where they promote stuff to, for uh, sickness and of natural stuff and I have talked to medical people but still nobody really came up with a cure now I'm looking at a lot of the food we eat today we our food has been raised they put they put chemicals on this on this seeds when they planted to kill the grass kill the bugs uh they raising our our meats uh, um fast as they can uh, uh stuff being raised in hot houses we're not raising in gardens like we used to my question is is, is it the things that we are eating and i know the federal government don't tell you everything the food and drug administration because they don't want to send us into a spin of a panic but is 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 it any way possible that the things we eat? Because I don't think the uh, the people in China uh, experience as much pain and, and problems like we do. And I'm sure they have some because they're not exempt. The world is not exempt from pain all over. But I know that in America we have a lot of problems, which we have a lot of technology, and we still don't come to a a uh, conclusion of what these things are all about. We just have talking points. We have talking points. We throw money at it. We throw money at it. and never comes to a conclusion. So my question is, where, what do you think arthritis come from as a medical personnel in your life? Yes, sir. So, so, so George, as I, as I kind of mentioned before, that's kind of a, a, a challenging question. And I say that because there's so many different causes of arthritis, um, as I was saying before. And I, and I love your question um, because I think it's good for us to reflect about what we're doing, what we're putting into our bodies. I'm, I'm right there with you, George. So if I were to go with the most common arthritis, which is probably what you're referring to, is arthritis. 
arthritis. Now, you're right. Other things, when we talk about rheumatoid arthritis, that is that is an autoimmune disorder, our body kind of attacking the joints. Um, but when you talk about things like osteoarthritis or even gout, gout, you can change your diet to improve gout. We know there are things that make gout worse, you know, alcohol, red meats, um, some seafoods, all those things that can exacerbate gout. So you're exactly right. Things that we're putting to our body can make arthritis worse. Now, why do I think maybe in America we're seeing more arthritis than other people? So osteoarthritis is something that I think is going to happen with time anyway, right? So as I mentioned before, it's the wear and tear on the joints. Some people's joints are just built better than others. And that comes in the genetic part that we may, there are some people that may not be affected by arthritis because that's not something they deal with. Myself, I'm a fairly, you know, athletic, you know, fairly thin person. I have a horrible knee pain. My dad has horrible knees and got a knee replacement pretty early on. So a lot of that I feel is more genetic than than my build. But there is also a group that we know that osteoarthritis is related and worse in patients with higher BMIs. And I think that goes to the point where you talk about our diet. We do have more processed foods, more high fructose corn syrup, more of all those things that we know increase our weight, makes us keep it on and ultimately can affect our joints. Um, So I don't know that that fully answered your question, George, but I do think that we should be more mindful of what we're putting in our body. We do know that if we're not as heavy or we don't have as high of a BMI, that those patients, osteoarthritis is not necessarily, uh, you know, is not as worse, if that makes sense. But it's just so multifactorial. And I think that's why that that is hard to answer that there's not a cure for arthritis. There's just so many layers to it. Does that make sense, George? It it makes a lot of sense. And uh, and I really appreciate uh, uh, your intelligence on what you give me. Uh, And I guess we just have to, we, we, we have to continue to study and search and try to find, uh, uh, um, stuff to heal uh, arthritis and help us to live longer and live better and, and not have less have less pain. But I appreciate uh, what you're doing, and I appreciate the information you're giving today on arthritis. So continue to work, and uh, I want you to know that uh, God will continue to bless you for doing what you're doing, and we appreciate you for today. Thank you, George. You honestly have made my morning with that, and you take good care of yourself, okay? Thank you. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy Women's Health, where we discuss issues involving women's health. I'm Dr. Jasmine Kinsey, Assistant Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at UMMC. And this morning, we have been exploring arthritis. And so, as I mentioned, when the show started, we think, oh, arthritis is just a little bit of joint pain. But it's so many more layers to that um, than, than we thought um, that was all involved. And so, I want to make sure I have plenty of time for our next caller, Graham. So, we have Graham in Starkville. Good morning, Graham. Good morning. How are you doing uh, this morning? Uh, very well, thank you. Awesome. Uh, I have uh, have a problem uh, I've been holding uh, arthritis at bay for, for years and ran, was a runner until a couple of years ago, and I slowed down for a different reason than, than arthritis. But, but a year ago, I, uh, my, I had, my mother had terribly warped hands, uh, uh, crooked fingers with arthritis, and I inherited to some degree that problem. It never hurt until a, a year ago. I tried to pick up a heavy a heavy pail of uh, lead weights is what was in it. Must have weighed best part of a hundred pounds, and in fact it was two pails. And I ruined my index finger on both hands 
that are all of a sudden swollen up and so stiff I can't use my index fingers, and they uh, they hurt periodically, but not uh, just only when I abuse them or bend them wrong. But what I wanted to know is, I know that they have replacement hips and knees, and I and also finger joints, and I wanted to ask you, what's the state of the art? Uh, and what is the device that they use to replace a finger joint? And the only ones I have is two index fingers. Uh, just wondering if you can tell us what that, uh, uh, what those devices are, how they work, and how how effective they are. I might add, I'm 90 years old, so. Yes, sir. So I will be honest, I'm not as familiar with the finger joint replacement. So that's something that's newer. And you're right, that is something um, that that people have had great success for. But I will be honest, I do not want to point you in the wrong direction. I'm not as familiar with the finger joint replacements as the hips or or the knees and about how long they last. But from my understanding, people oftentimes have uh have great recovery and ultimately do fairly well. So a lot so as with any joint any joint replacement and things of that nature, it's usually after all conservative measures have been tried and patients haven't had any improvement um before they look at those joint replacements. Have you talked to someone about that possibly? Haven't. No, I Okay. It uh I I've been uh putting it off and and when I heard your program, I just thought I'll ask but I, I'm going to go online and uh, Google it uh, first, and then uh, I know uh, we have here in Starkville, Columbus, uh, some pretty good orthopedic people that I'll check with. Well, thank okay. you for bringing that up, Graham, because I'm going to have to research that more myself so I can learn as well. And that's why I tell patients I love this show, too. Not only, you know, am I providing you know information for you guys, but you guys are also making me scratch my head so I can do a little bit more reading, too. So thank you for that, Graham. <laughs> Okay, well, I hope I can get back so I can do the buttons up on my shirt. That's the biggest problem. So thank you so much. Yes, sir. You have a good one. Thank you. All right. And we're going to move right along to our next caller. We've got Rick in Memphis. Good morning, Rick. Yes, good morning. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. The question I have is there are various types of supplements, and specifically glucosamine chondroitin. Mm-hmm. Uh, does that have any positive impact on joint issues? So honestly, it becomes one of those things when we talk about supplements where the evidence is inconclusive. But honestly, most of the evidence says that glucosamine and chondroitin don't do anything (laughs) and they don't improve the joints for a lot of patients. But I say that 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 is a huge study and tells us whether or not we should recommend it or not. But what I tell patients is if you've taken glucosamine, glucosamine and chondroitin and you feel your joint pain has improved, keep taking glucosamine and chondroitin. It's not a whole lot of side effects to it. Doesn't necessarily interact with any medications that patients are taking. Again, double check that with your with your primary care about your medicines. But it's one of those things where I tell patients, why not? If you try it and it helps you, because everyone's different. If it's something you try and it helps you and we can avoid using some of these other medications, I say go for it. But the studies are not showing that it's necessarily helps a whole lot. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you for your question, Rick. Yes. 
All right. Well, Rick brings us to kind of a great point where we can go ahead and move into. So, you know, we've talked about the different types of arthritis and, um, you know, how important history physical exam is working with your physician to help you figure out, do I have osteoarthritis? Am I one of those people that have rheumatoid arthritis where I have some sort of autoimmune disorder that's attacking my joints? Do I possibly have infection in the joint that needs to be looked at? Um, Do I have a a reactive arthritis that could be associated with a sexually transmitted disease or some other um, type of uh, illness that patients have? So that the the whole kind of... uh, Things that arthritis, and I'm only touching the ice, the tip of the iceberg with the types. There's lots more types, um, and often in that group as well is gout. And so I know somebody's had a family member, as I mentioned before, that has dealt with gout, and that oftentimes has to do with an increased level of a different type of um, product in our body called uric acid that increases your risk of gout. So there are so many. So before you just have chalked your knee pain up to just good old fashioned, you know, arthritis, it's always good just to have a good conversation with your doctor. So how do we treat arthritis really just boils down to what type of arthritis we're dealing with. But there is some overlap in treatment. So there's no one typically can go wrong when we're talking about rheumatoid arthritis, whether we're talking about osteoarthritis um, or other autoimmune disorders that deal with arthritis, that physical therapy um, is not a great option for people. So I tell patients we have what we call non-pharmacological, so we don't want to do medicines but we want to try some other things first. Um, and then, of course, we have pharmacological. Now, if you fall into the category of the autoimmune disorders, then you're probably going to have to do some type of pharmacological therapy to decrease the risk of pro- progression of your arthritis and destruction to the joints from your immune system attacking the joints. But when we talk about people with osteoarthritis and we talk about non-pharmacological, so I'm not giving you a medicine, what can I do in my life to improve my arthritis? So things that we look at, and I oftentimes have my patients kind of roll their eyes at me when I mention physical therapy, but there's so much studies that show that physical therapy really helps us with the management um, of arthritis. And what that looks like for patients, you know, there's water aerobics that I tell patients oftentimes that, you know, that aren't as mobile or stiff or things of that nature. And it's painful sometimes to do other modalities of physical therapy. But oftentimes water aerobics or water therapy is a great starting point and hopefully can work our way up to um, other types of physical therapy. Exercise, exercise, exercise. Again, starting small and moving our way up. So, yes, you're right. We can ache and hurt a little bit more when we start the therapy. Oftentimes we're moving muscles we haven't used before um, when we're doing therapy. And so we can get kind of have some aches and pains and things of that nature associated with that. Um, So don't be surprised if you're a little achy before when you start your physical therapy. But oftentimes, you know, how much therapy do I need or how much exercise do I need to help with my joints? So the recommendation is usually about 20 to 30 minutes three times a week can help improve pain and function, particularly those patients with knee arthritis. And studies have looked at head-to-head that doing a 90-minute session three times a week versus that 30-minute session doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get better pain relief. So it doesn't have to be this crazy kind of, you know, 90-minute, three times a week workout. Something as simple as 20 to 30 minutes working on those joints a week can really make a big difference in your pain and functionality. And we have 
have had a great discussion this morning about arthritis. So I'm going to jump right into our next caller, Julie in Memphis. Good morning, Julie. How are you? Good morning. I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm good. Tell me a little bit about your question. Well, um, I'm 58 and I've had two orthoscopic surgeries on one of my knees and um, I have been diagnosed with some arthritis in them, but uh, I work in the landscape industry, so I'm quite active and from time to time, I get a lot of water on my knee that I, you know, had surgery many years ago. And I wanted to ask you what your thoughts were. I've been putting Voltaren on it, um, and it does seem to give me some relief, or I can use ibuprofen with some relief. I'm not a big person. I'd prefer to steer clear if I can, but I'm not so sure. Is Voltaren something I can use on a regular basis, or what, what could you tell me about that? Julie, thank you so much for your question. Voltaren's excellent option. So I definitely prefer if you're getting relief with a topical agent. So for my listeners out there, Voltaren is diclofenac gel. It is an anti-inflammatory gel treatment that you put directly on the joint that can give you direct relief. And I, if you are getting success with the Voltaren gel, I would say keep doing that because we don't worry about, you know, the side effects you can get with a GI upset and other things that you see when you're actually taking things like ibuprofen or Aleve. So if you're getting relief with Voltaren, Julie, I say keep doing the Voltaren. Okay. And does arthritis um, contribute to water on my knee if I've overdone it? Or is that completely different no, you're, from... You're, you're exactly right. So if you've had those surgeries and you're more active, you can get fluid on your knees just from um, often overuse and inflammation in there. So the fact that you've had those surgeries, you've had injury to the knee, the uh, the chances of it swelling and things of that nature are at increased risk. Yes, ma'am. Okay, so that's probably normal. Okay, well, great. Thank you so much. I appreciate your info on that. Thank you so much for your call, Julie. You have a great day. You too, thanks. Good. And and we're going to move on to our next call. Miss Nancy, you're my final call of the morning. How are you doing this morning? Thank you. I'm fine. I just wanted to comment on osteobiflex. Okay. I'm a tall lady uh, with knees and shoulders that were bothering me from osteoarthritis. And I take two osteobiflex a day. And I must say it has made a very favorable difference in my life. So I just wanted to say that supplements can help depending on, I guess, your own body composition and how it all works together. But I just wanted to say that supplements can be a big help. Yes, ma'am. Well, thank you so much for your comment, Nancy. Okay, thank you. All right. And, and like I said before, Nancy and Julie both bring up great points for treatment. So there are lots of different options that work for different people. And so, you know, as I talked about therapy is I know so many of my patients don't necessarily want to take medications and that's okay. I don't, you know, I don't want that to always be the answer either. Um, so therapy is a great option. The topical treatments, you know, if Voltaren gel or other, the um, name Diclofenac gel is working for you, Capsaicin. 
Jason, Icy Hot, if those things are, are working on your joints without you having to take a pill, that's what I say go for it. Or the Osteo Biflex, like Nancy mentioned here at the end. Um, you know, herbal options are, are great options for many patients. I just always tell patients to make sure you're talking with your physician, make sure there's no interaction with some of the other medications and things that you may be taking. And just kind of the things that, you know, Nancy um, and Julia mentioned, most of those we're talking about patients with osteoarthritis. Again, if you're dealing with lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, or psoriatic arthritis, or some of these other autoimmune causes, make sure you're having a good conversation with your doctor if you need to be on some other medications that prevent um, the progression of those types of um of those types of health problems as well. And so as I talk about, you know, I do like to look holistically at our patients and talk about other options outside of um, just doing medications. And I guess my own kind of personal story with arthritis, as I mentioned earlier on, I, I deal with horrible knees that I've inherited from my dad and I love to run and my knees have limited really the distance that I'm able to run. I've, you know, gone to make sure I got the right shoes and I'm watching how I do different things. But there's other things that are help. So doing physical therapy and other um, exercises that really strengthen your joint. I found a lot of help with Pilates. Pilates is a great way um, to really help with joint health, can help with flexibility, um, and and you're not oftentimes putting as much pressure on the joints as you are. Um, you know, some people talk about yoga, tai chi, all kinds of different other types of exercises. So it doesn't always have to be that you've got to go out and start running marathons, or you may not have the physical ability um, to to walk on a treadmill or things of that nature. If you're able to get on your exercise bike and get those joints moving or doing the water therapy, like I mentioned before, to get those joints moving or Pilates like I like. And the beautiful thing about the world of technology is you can find wonderful videos online that can help you with these things. So I hope everyone got the opportunity to learn a lot about arthritis and are open to talking with their doctor about it. This is Southern Remedy Women's Health. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and it's funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from listeners like you. Today's show was engineered by Abram Nanny. I'm Dr. Jasmine Kinsey. Join us next Friday at 11 for Southern Remedy Women's Health on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Thank you.